Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm kind of a neobarb, not a Gilgamesher, named Horace Sastroff. He claimed to be from Scothy. The locals there have a few ships. The Space Vikings had a base on Scathy about a hundred or so years ago. Naturally, the ship had no papers. Tramp trading among the Neobarbs, it might be years before you'd put in on a planet where they'd ever heard of ships' papers. The ship seems to have been in bad shape, probably abandoned on Scathy as a junk a century ago, and tinkered up by the locals. She was in here twice, according to the commercial shipping records, and the second time she was in too bad shape to be moved out, and Sastroff couldn't pay to have her rebuilt, so she was libeled for spaceport charges and sold. Some one-lung trading company bought her and fixed her up a little. They went bankrupt in a year or so, and she was bought by another small company, Star Traders Limited, and they've been using her on a milk run to and from Gimli. They seem to be a legitimate outfit, but we're looking into them. We're looking for Sastroff, too, but we haven't been able to find him. If you have a ship out Gimli Way, you might find out if anybody there knows anything about her. You may discover that she hasn't been going there at all. We might at that, Schefter agreed. We'll just find out. Everybody at Cragdale knew about the projected treaty with Tanith by the morning after Trask's first conversation with Prince Edvard on the subject. The queen of the royal bedroom, the royal playroom, and the royal bathroom was insisting that her domain should have a treaty with Tanith, too. It was beginning to look to Trask as though that would be the only treaty he'd sign on Marduk, and he was having his doubts about that. "'Do you think it would be wise?' he asked Lady Valerie Alvarath. The queen of three rooms and one four-footed subject had already decreed that Lady Valerie should be the space Viking prince's girl on the planet of Marduk. If it got out, these people's welfare lunatics would pick it up and twist it into evidence of some kind of a sinister plot. Oh, I believe Her Majesty could sign a treaty with Prince Trask, Her Majesty's Prime Minister decided. But it would have to be kept very secret. Gee, Myrna's eyes widened. A real secret treaty, just like the wicked rulers of the old dictatorship. She hugged her subject ecstatically. I'll bet Grandpa doesn't even have any secret treaties. In a few days, everybody on Marduk knew that a treaty with Tanith was being discussed. If they didn't, it was no fault of Zaspar McCann's party, 
who seemed to command a disconcertingly large number of telecast stations, and who drenched the ether with horror stories of space Viking atrocities and denunciations of carefully unnamed traitors surrounding the king and the crown prince who were about to betray Marduk to rapine and plunder. The leak evidently did not come from Cragdale, for it was generally believed that Trask was still at the royal palace at Malverton. At least that was where the mechanists were demonstrating against him. He watched such a demonstration by screen. The pickup was evidently on one of the landing stages of the palace, overlooking the wide park surrounding it. They were packed almost solid with people, surging forward toward the thin cordon of police. The front of the mob looked like a checkerboard. A block in civilian dress, then a block in the curiously effeminate-looking uniforms of Zaspar McCann's People's Watchmen, then more in ordinary garb, and more People's Watchmen. Over the heads of the crowds, at intervals, floated small contragravity lifters on which were mounted the amplifiers that were bellowing, "'Space Viking, go home! Space Viking, go home!' The police stood motionless, at parade rest. The mob surged closer. When they were fifty yards away, the blocks of people's watchmen ran forward, then spread out until they formed a line six deep across the entire front. Other blocks from the rear pushed the ordinary demonstrators aside and took their place. Hating them more every second, Trask grudged approval of a smart and disciplined maneuver. How long, he wondered, had they been drilling in that sort of tactics? Without stopping, they continued their advance on the police, who had now shifted their stance. "'Space Viking, go home! Space Viking, go home!' "'Fire!' he heard himself yelling. "'Don't let them get any closer! Fire now!' They had nothing to fire with. They had only truncheons, no better weapons than the knobbed swagger-sticks of the people's watchmen. They simply disappeared, after a brief flurry of blows, and the McCann stormtroopers continued their advance. And that was that. The gates of the palace were shut. The mob, behind a front of McCann's people's watchmen, surged up to them and stopped. The loudspeakers bellowed on, reiterating their four-word chant. "'Those police were murdered,' he said. They were murdered by the man who ordered them out there unarmed. "'That would be Count Nadenair, the Minister of Security,' somebody said. "'Then he's the one you want to hang for it.' "'What else would you have done?' Crown Prince Edvard challenged. "'Put up about fifty combat cars, drawn a deadline, and opened machine-gun fire as soon as the mob crossed it, and kept on firing till the survivors turned tail and ran.' then sent out more cars, and shot everybody wearing a People's Watchman uniform, all over town. Inside forty-eight hours there'd be no People's Welfare Party, and no Zaspar McCann, either." The Crown Prince's face stiffened. "'That may be the way you do things in the sword-worlds, Prince Trask. It's not the way we do things here on Marduk. Our government does not propose to be guilty of shedding the blood of its people. He had it on the tip of his tongue to retort that if they didn't, the people would end by shedding theirs. Instead, he said softly, "'I'm sorry, Prince Edvard, 
You had a wonderful civilization here on Marduk. You could have made almost anything of it, but it's too late now. You've torn down the gates. The barbarians are in. 23. The colored turbulence faded into the gray of hyperspace, five hundred hours to Tanith. Guat Kirby was securing his control panel, happy to return to his music, and Van Larch would go back to his paints and brushes, and Alvin Carford to the working model of whatever it was he had left unfinished when the nemesis had emerged at the end of the jump from Altholma. Trask went to the index of the ship's library and punched for History Old Terran. There was plenty of that, thanks to Otto Harkeman. Then he punched for Hitler, Adolf. Harkeman was right. Anything that could happen in a human society had already happened, in one form or another, somewhere and at some time. Hitler could help him understand Zaspar McCann. By the time the ship came out, with the yellow sun of Tanith in the middle of the screen, he knew a great deal about Hitler, occasionally referred to as Schickelgruber, and he understood, with sorrow, how the lights of civilization on Marduk were going out. Beside the Lamia, stripped of her Dillinghams and crammed with heavy armament and detection instruments, the Space Scourge and the Queen Flavia were on off-planet watch. There were half a dozen other ships on orbit just above atmosphere. A Gilgamesher, one of the Graham Tanith freighters, a couple of freelance space Vikings, and a new and unfamiliar ship. When he asked the Moonbase who she was, he was told that she was the sun goddess, Amaterasu. That was, by almost a year, better than he had expected of them. Otto Harkeman was out in the Corisandi, raiding and visiting the trade planets. He found his cousin, Nicolay Trask, at Rivington. When he inquired about Traskin, Nicolay cursed. "'I don't know anything about Traskin. I haven't anything to do with Traskin any more. Traskin is now the personal property of our well-loved, very well-loved, Queen Evita. The Trasks don't own enough land on Graham now for a family cemetery.' You see what you did," he added bitterly. You needn't rub it in, Nicolay. If I'd stayed on Graham, I'd have helped put Angus on the throne, and it would have been about the same in the end. It could be a lot different, Nicolay said. You could bring your ships and your men back to Graham and put yourself on the throne. No, I'll never go back to Graham. Tanith's my planet now but I will renounce my allegiance to Angus. I can trade on Morglay or Joyeuse or Flamberge just as easily. You won't have to. You can trade with Newhaven and Biglersport. Count Lionel and Duke Joris are both defying Angus. They've refused to furnish him men. They've driven out his tax collectors, those they haven't hanged, and they're building ships of their own. Angus is building ships, too. I don't know whether he's going to use them to fight Biglersport and Newhaven or attack you, but there's going to be a war before another year's out." The Good Hope and the Speedwell, he found, had gone back to Graham. They were commanded by men who had come into favor at the court of King Angus recently. The Black Star and the Queen Flavia, 
whose captain had contemptuously ignored an order from Graham to rechristen her Queen Avida, had remained. They were his ships, not King Angus. The captain of the merchantman from Wardshaven, now on orbit, refused to take a cargo to Newhaven. He had been chartered by King Angus, and would take orders from no one else. "'All right,' Trask told him. "'This is your last voyage here. You bring that ship back under Angus of Wardshaven's charter, and we'll fire on her.' Then he had the regalia he had worn in his last audio-visual to Angus dusted off. At first he had decided to proclaim himself King of Tanith. Lord 